Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. I want to start out by saying that this podcast episode is being sponsored by Jeff and Stacy Snyder in loving memory of their son, Brenton. Brenton Christopher Smith was a loving soul. He loved his siblings, Charlie and Cheyenne, more than life itself. Brenton was always the joker in the family and had a great belly laugh. After high school, Brenton joined the Army. His mom, Stacy, says, In 2011, we sent our boy off to war in Afghanistan, and he came back a man. Brenton married his high school sweetheart. He loved children, but never had the chance to have one of his own. Kids would gravitate toward him any time there were younger ones around. The first mission trip he went on was to help rebuild in New Orleans after Katrina hit. Brenton came home without his most prized baseball hat, stating that a kid he met there asked him for it, and he gave it without a thought in the world. He said, Mom, I have tons of hats. He didn't have any. When he was in Afghanistan, he and the guys would give away the candy that was sent to him to the kids they met on their patrols. Brenton loved God first, family second, country third, and would defend them all when necessary as a fierce protector. He was always looking out for everyone else instead of himself, including the day he went home to be with Jesus through a horrific car accident. Brenton would always tell his mom from a very young age, You will bury me before I bury you. I won't live to be old. His foresight came to be on November 10, 2015. Brenton's family and the world lost a joyful soul on that day. Thank you, Jeff and Stacy, for being supporters of GPS Hope and this podcast. You have our love and our hearts. For the next three weeks, we are going to do a small series on rebuilding your life after the death of your child. In today's episode, you're going to hear a clip from one of our courses. This course is called, How Do I Even Start to Rebuild My Life? And it has two modules with six sessions or lessons each. The first module is about laying the foundation to be able to rebuild our lives, and the second module is called Taking Care of Yourself. I start off by taking us into the personal care room, talking about our physical struggles and how we can help ourselves with these. Then we go into the bedroom of rest and continue by talking about our emotional breakdowns. Next comes the kitchen of usefulness, and now you are going to hear lesson five, which is called the mental breakdown. So let's get started. The first lesson in here, we started out by talking about our physical breakdown and some of the things that we can do to help with that. And the last three lessons, we've been looking at our soul, which includes our emotions and our thoughts. In this lesson, we will be specifically talking about our mental breakdown, and then we'll be moving on to the third part of our being, which are our spirits. If you're like me, the mental breakdowns are so frustrating. The confusion, the fogginess, not being able to concentrate in major forgetfulness, as in forgetting how to do a simple task you've done most of your life. I've often asked myself, why am I like this? Sometimes I'm just fine, and other times I'm so easily agitated, or I'm in a fog, or I'm just plain a mess. And the answer, 
because I'm a parent who's lost a child. It makes me unpredictable, and I don't like being that way. It makes me feel like I come across as very unstable. But in reality, that is now part of who I am. And I will always be capable at any moment of returning to being that fragile, broken person. Even simple little things are so difficult on us mentally, especially those first couple of years. One time I drove home from the grocery store and I forgot to take my groceries with me. I could forget how to do something as simple as peeling an orange. I'd be driving in my car and pull the car off the road almost terrified because I suddenly couldn't remember why I was in the car and where I was supposed to be going. Or I remember crying, wandering around in a parking lot, looking for my car, not even having any information in my brain to help me remember the area I parked in, like which door I went in. I just, there was nothing there to even help me remember where in this parking lot my car was. And these things really scared me. And I started wondering if I was having an onset of early Alzheimer's. It took me quite a while to find out that that was actually a normal part of intense grief. And what was happening with me physically and mentally during the worst of my grieving period, those first couple of years, seemed so much greater than my strength to get through it. Before I go any further, let me say that even though the first few years are brutal in this area, it does get better. If you notice, most of what I've shared is in the past tense. The times between the breakdowns get longer and they don't last as long. I know those first couple of years, I felt like that would never happen. I just wanted the pain to end and I couldn't understand why it was taking so long. It doesn't help that those around us don't realize what a mess our minds are legitimately in. People telling us, I know how you feel, can cause all kinds of fireworks to go off inside of us. Any kind of family event can send us into a tailspin that no one around us understands. And they try to fix us or say things that make no sense or even decide that they're through with us. Even an answer to the simple question, how are you, sends us into an immediate in-depth examination that is exhausting. Because first of all, are you asking about this exact moment, how are you, or as a whole? Because this can cause me to have two completely different answers. Or are you asking because you really want to know? Or is it more of a greeting because you don't know what else to say and you really expect a quick answer of fine, that I'm fine, so you can move on? Are you just a clerk at the store who's using it more of a greeting? And I really shouldn't unload on you in sarcasm and pain no matter how I'm feeling at the moment. Are you a safe person to give a truthful answer to? And at this point, after going through all the options in my head, I usually determine it's easiest on both me and the one asking to give that generic pat answer, so they probably won't get the truth, and you'll hear me say, I'm fine or I'm good. And there are so many triggers that add to the mix of what's happening mentally with us. I recently had a newly bereaved parent tell me that just looking at the titles of our podcasts can send her into a meltdown. I have been quite surprised to discover that men are actually more vocal about having grief meltdowns than almost any other subject about the death of their child. And the way my husband Dave explains it is that most men put everything in mental boxes. And they pull out one box at a time, and when they're done, they put that box away, and then they get out a different box. 
but there are times that they find that their grief has shattered into all of their boxes. So they pull out a work box and all of a sudden grief is shattered in there. They pull out a different box and the grief is there. And they don't know what to do with it or how to make it stop because that's not normal. Everything is usually in their box. And they can't just sweep up all the pieces and put it in their grief box. Just put it neatly on the shelf, only taking it down when they want to. But some of them do try really hard to do it anyway. And like I said, for some reason, this is an area that men will open up about, maybe not to their wives, but to other perivers when the subject is brought up. As a matter of fact, today, I just saw something on a Facebook post that uh, a dad posted about they understand that the mom's grief is different and we carried our child and, you know, it's different, but the dad's grief is so very valid and they struggle too. So it is interesting that men can be very vocal about this, at least when they're with other grieving parents. And this is a good place to remind you that experts say five years and under is considered fresh grief for a parent. So if you are still in those first five years, there is nothing wrong with you and you are okay if you're not getting past it yet. Also, the death of a child is considered traumatic grief and many parents have PTSD based on the circumstances around the death. So it really is okay not to be okay. And those of us who are ahead of you on this road expect it. Don't let those around you who have never faced the death of their own child to heap guilt on you or make you feel like something is wrong with you in the way that you're missing your child and still grieving deeply. But I also want to say to be careful not to use your child's death as an excuse to play a victim card down the road. We're usually quite aware when we've turned that corner. Others may tell you that's what you're doing. I was told by someone close to me that I needed to just move on when I was just starting to pull out of that suffocating darkness at around two years. There is a difference between grief and self-pity, and you're the only one who knows which one it is. You're the only one who can determine when you are starting to turn that corner where it's not just grief that is on you, but self-pity that you want people to feel sorry for you or to feel sorry for yourself. I read something that made a lot of sense to me, and I'm not sure if these are the exact words, but it said that an abnormal reaction to an abnormal circumstance is normal. So don't be overly concerned about how you're responding to something abnormal and is considered traumatic grief. Studies have shown that deep grief literally affects a person's brain. In a very real sense, the mental and the emotional energy of grief saps the brain power and leaves a person very disoriented and unable to hold a thought for very long. This has been studied out. After several years, I have to be honest and say, I still don't have a clear mind like I did before, and it can be very frustrating at times. Friends have tried to encourage me by saying things like, oh, I forget things too. But it isn't the same as just like getting forgetful with age. Like I said, it's like there's nothing in your brain to even draw information from. Like when I was driving down the road and I would forget where I was going and I would, I would just panic. It's like I can't drive. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. So I'd pull off the road. That's so different than just having moments of forgetfulness that, that is, you know, that we all have normally. This is beyond that. We have been through a traumatic event, and our minds just freeze, forgetting how to function at times, especially with certain dates and times of the year that trigger our grief, causing us to feel it again, foggy and easily confused. I have learned to keep giving it to God 
and I don't allow myself to be stressed out about it. At least I try. I'm not always successful, but I do. I just try to give it to God and not stress myself out about another thing. So is there anything we can do to fight this or at least its effects on us? Well, at some point when you're ready and strong enough emotionally and mentally, you are going to have to fight to change how you think. For example, I can believe things like I'll never get past this or I will always feel this way, which is only true because that's what you think or believe. But you can change that by starting to think about how I don't want to stay in this place and there has to be a way out and I'm going to find it. Those were the thoughts that I had that helped me get out of that really bad place of darkness at the beginning. And it's important to realize that believing a lie is just as powerful as believing the truth. The truth is you can come out of this darkness. There is a way out. But if you tell yourself you'll never get out of this and you'll always feel this way, then you're choosing to believe the lie at that point. I know some parents even believe they don't want to get past this, which is usually because they equate the pain of grieving their child with remembering their child. They're afraid that if they quit hurting so much that they'll forget their child, which is impossible to do. If you believe that staying in your pain will keep the memory of your child alive, then you'll continue to choose that emotional state of despair and not be able to live a life of peace and hope and fullness. That includes walking out your God-ordained destiny. And yes, you still have one. I was an international children's minister before Becca died, and my ministry changed drastically. But the calling on my life didn't, which is to encourage and equip the body of Christ. And that's what I do now. It's just a totally different audience that God has given me. If you're wondering how to change those thoughts and beliefs, I have a couple of suggestions for you. First of all, stay connected with other perievers who have learned how to live again after the death of their child. It's easy to find those who will say that life will forever be black and not worth living again, but that doesn't help you at all. That may be their life right now, but it doesn't have to be yours. You need to connect with those who can be the light and hope for you as they walk with you until your own hope starts taking root and growing inside of you, no matter how long that takes. Some of you may be struggling, wondering if it is even right for you to go on with your own life after your child has died. And let me release you from that thought right now. Yes, it is okay to go on with your life without your child in it. When my kids were younger, If they saw me sick or worried, maybe even crying, they would come up to me in their sweetness and their innocence and try to make me feel better. They didn't like to see their mommy hurt in any way. I'm guessing you have experienced the same thing, and I'm pretty sure that our kids still feel the same way. I know we would much rather it had been us who left this earth, but it wasn't. So here's my question. Are you honoring your child by allowing your grief to cause your own emotional death? Or would you rather honor your child by living a life that he or she could point out proudly and say, that's my mom, that's my dad. I release you and I give you permission to learn how to live a full life again. And I believe your child does too. It won't look the same, but you can still live a meaningful life here on earth until it is your turn to go. The second way to change your thoughts or beliefs after the death of your child is to let your mind be transformed, totally changed and renewed. Our thinking has to be reprogrammed because what you focus on is what will grow. 
So if you continue to focus on the pain and the loss, it will grow until it is ready to consume you and overtake you, swallowing you up in its dark abyss. But if instead you begin to think about and focus on truth, which probably goes against how you feel, you can actually get to the place where you can celebrate your child's life instead of being stuck in the pain of their death. And I've heard so many parents say, that may be true for you, but I don't think it will be for me. And they have come to me later, acknowledging that they have come out of that darkness and they're learning how to live again. So maybe you can make a list of verses that can be an anchor for you. And I'll tell you the meaning of scripture. There are so many verses that have a different meaning to me now than they ever did before. And verses that I've never seen in the Bible that are suddenly there. So ask God to give you some verses that can be an anchor for you. Write down sayings you hear or read in one place to be able to read them, reminding yourself of truth. Remember to turn on that playlist that you've been putting together uh, that you started in session three, hopefully, allowing the music to remind you of what is true. I personally started speaking over myself, 1 Corinthians 2.16, I have the mind of Christ. And 2 Timothy 1.7, I have a sound mind. I do believe that speaking those things over me on a fairly regular basis, I, I do believe it helped the fog begin to clear, and I did become less scattered and forgetful in those early years. As I close this lesson, I want to share with you one of my specific thoughts that had to be reprogrammed. I couldn't even imagine being two years out or five years or 10 years further away from Becca. I mean, just the thought of that, it was like this panic attack would come over me, almost like I couldn't breathe thinking about how, how is it even possible to be here on this earth that long from Becca. And I asked God to help me by giving me his thoughts on this. And I found myself realizing that the truth is actually something totally different from what was in my thoughts. What God showed me was that every day I live on this earth doesn't get me further away from Becca, but it actually brings me closer to her because I get closer to my own departure date. So every day I'm getting closer to her, not further away from her. And that truth set me free. I still have moments when I have those thoughts and they can still make me cry, but I am not overwhelmed by them like I was before because I now believe a truth that is deeper than my pain, that I'm getting closer to her, not further away from her. I truly hope and pray that this session has helped you to believe that maybe, just maybe, it's possible to get out of the darkness and learn how to live in the light again. I would like to think that your thought is, I know that Laura did it, others have done it, and maybe there's hope that I can do it too. I really hope you found this helpful. Like I said, this was from our course, How Do I Even Begin to Rebuild My Life? In each lesson, I also give some extra help by providing links to things like downloadable PDFs or maybe a YouTube video, something that will strengthen what you've just heard in that lesson. I also give an assignment to post something on a private Facebook page. And for this particular lesson, I actually ask the students to click on the provided link in the lesson and share one of those crazy things your grief made you forget, like my going home without the groceries. 
we can laugh with each other over things like this because we all get it and we all know that within the laughter there is still the pain of missing our child and we don't have to explain that to each other. Maybe in the comments below you would like to do that. Share one of those crazy things that your grief made you forget. The next and final session of this course is called a spiritual fireside chant. And this course is one of three courses that are an extension of my award-winning book, When Tragedy Strikes, and it gives bereavers the extra help they're looking for based on what they want and need. Course one, How Do I Even Start to Rebuild My Life, which you heard from today, walks you through some of the most difficult beginning parts of the journey for a grieving parent, and it helps you start the process of rebuilding your life with hope and healing. If you would like to check out the course, just go to gpshope.org slash WTS course. WTS stands for When Tragedy Strikes. The link will also be in the show notes or just go to our website, gpshope.org, go to resources and click on courses under that tab. Let's go ahead on to our birthday segment. Bodine Gordon was born on November 10th and is forever 23. David Sheldon was born on November 11th and is forever 23. Austin Augustine was born on November 14th and is forever 16. Kaysen Sandcrate was born on November 14th and is forever 10. We know the birthdays of our children are still a very important day and we celebrate with these families the day these four came into the world. If you would like to have me announce your child's birthday on this podcast, it's very simple. I just need the information sent to me, and you can do that by going to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out the information, submit it, and I would be honored and blessed to be able to announce your son or daughter's birthday the week of his or her birthday. I want to close by repeating something that you heard at the beginning of this episode in that course, in that lesson. I have often asked myself, why am I like this? Sometimes I'm just fine, and other times I'm so easily agitated, in a fog, or just plain a mess. The answer? Because I'm a parent who has lost a child. It makes me unpredictable. I don't like being that way. It makes me feel like I come across as very unstable. But in reality, that is now part of who I am. I will always be capable at any moment of returning to be that fragile, broken person. I know there is so much pain with losing our child from this earth, and I'm sorry you have a reason to listen to this podcast. But as always, I do want to close by reminding you to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.